The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Writing doesn't always look like writing. You can't you can't measure the quality of a day by how many words you got on the page because sometimes you're brainstorming or figuring out a plot point or just sort of playing around to get to know the characters. And and like my most successful writing days might be days that it's not that many words that I got down on the page. So I like writing for time. And I think I I always say in my classes, like just pay attention to what works for you because I love, love listening to other writers talk about what they do, but no one's process looks the same, right? Like, I'm a really messy writer in the beginning, probably to the point where other people would be like, I don't even know how you make a book out of those early pages. But for me, that's just what works. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual best-selling author and educator Jennifer Close spoke with me about writing her first book on unemployment, how to draft a novel in 12 weeks, and her latest, Marrying the Ketchups. Jennifer's the best-selling author of Girls in White Dresses, The Smart One, and The Hopefuls. Her latest is Marrying the Ketchups, available this April 26, 2022. Described as a comedy of manners about three generations of a Chicago restaurant family and a love letter to shared meals and the family-owned restaurants we all keep coming back to. Jennifer has an MFA in fiction from the New School and currently teaches creative writing at Catapult. She's worked in New York at print magazines for many years and taught creative writing at George Washington University. In this file, Jennifer and I discussed how writers can use fear as a motivator. Why actually marrying the ketchups is a little gross what workshopping a novel from start to finish could do for you, the difference between scheduling for time versus word counts, why writing doesn't always look like writing, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. Yes, and we are rolling once again on the Writer Files. I have a special guest today. I've got bestselling author, novelist, educator, 
Jennifer Close is joining us. I hope that I pronounced your name properly. You did. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Um, I can't wait to talk about all things writing, uh, this fantastic, curvy, circuitous career of yours. It's a bestseller. But um, yeah, how are you feeling uh, leading up to the uh, publication of your your next book? Pretty good. It's it's actually just starting to feel real. This one this one took me a lot longer. I think it was pandemic and life related, and I mm. think for so long I kept thinking it's coming out a while away, a while away. <laughs> All of a sudden today I was like, nope, tomorrow is April 1st. So it will be coming out very, very soon. So, um, yeah. good, excited, a little nervous, but you know, all of, all of the good things. Yeah. Well, it's been getting some pretty great advanced praise and reviews. Congratulations, um, on the upcoming release of marrying the catch-ups. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about the book, of course, and your uh, writing process, but let's talk. Let's go turn the clock back as we do talk about your, um, yeah, your journey to best-selling author. I understand you worked in New York in magazines for years and years, and you've also taught creative writing extensively at um, George Washington University. Talk, talk a little bit about kind of like you know the early days, your superhero origins. Sure. That's <laughs> what I always call it. My superhero origins. I like that. Um, yeah, I went to, I mean, I, I always wanted to be a writer. I took writing classes in college. There was one class I took with Steve Almond. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, he's a writer, wonderful mm-hmm. writer. He did the Dear Sugar um, column and podcast for a while. And the class I took with him in college was super, super helpful because he gave a lot of just solid writing advice for how to write and also just have a job and, you know, be in the world while you're doing it. So I'm always so grateful that I took his class. And then a couple of years out of college, I applied to grad school, which I loved. Um, it was just really nice to be around other writers and get that community. And I did really learn a lot there. And I was in New York for grad school. And then I started working in magazines, which I also loved. It was it was a good job to have as a writer. A lot of other people there were writing books. So it sort of felt like you could talk about a project you were doing on the side. And while I was working at that magazine, the the magazine folded, <laughs> because, mm-hmm. um, which happened to so many people. And that was really when I decided I had to finish the book I was working on. It was, I was like completely motivated by fear, which is great. Um, <laughs> and I had, you know, a few months of unemployment after it folded. And I just really worked to get that book done, which was great for so many reasons. But um, before that I had taken right after grad school, I had a couple years where the writing just wasn't working for me. I was struggling with a bunch of different things. And so this was really nice that it was, you know, I was motivated. I had something started and I finished the book in that time, which was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So you wrote the book literally on unemployment insurance, yes. that right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, had started cool story. It before. I mean, it was also one of those things. So much of it was on my work computers that when the magazine folded, I was like, Oh God, I have to get the book off of here. We have to get out of here. Um, yeah. So it was great. And then, you know, a lot of, a lot of the rest of my career, I feel like has been like happy accidents, which is, I've just been very lucky in a lot of ways. I started, I was in DC. I'd moved here for my husband's job and I was working at a bookstore and I met this lovely man whose wife worked at GW and they had a teacher just sort of fall out at the last second. And he knew I had a book Mm. coming out. So he suggested me 
And I was so, so thrilled to be able to do that. I, I think because my writing classes, like I said, that one in college that I took were so important to me. It's yeah. just really fun to get to be that person for, yeah. you know, for, and I, so I loved teaching at GW and then more recently I've been teaching at Catapult, um, which is great in a different way. Cause it's, it, it's adults. So they are really working to finish books that they want to publish. So it's a different sort of energy, equally exciting, but yeah, it's been great. I, I just, I love teaching. I love workshop. I've always loved classes. I'm, I'm a school person, so it's nice to be in it on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I will mention that later in the show, um, this workshop that you're going to be teaching in May of 2022, and uh, it sounds sounds very cool. We can talk about that later, yeah. but yeah, Catapult is uh, pretty amazing. I know a, a lot of of guests of this show have mentioned Catapult, and I got a chance to poke around there in their mission statement. I think is is pretty pretty stunning. It, they you know they publish award winning fiction and nonfiction and offer these writing classes taught by acclaimed emerging and established writers. They also have an online magazine. But um, yeah, the, the, the idea that they're nurturing emerging writers by helping them better their craft and supporting uh, more established writers is, is pretty amazing. Talk a little bit about, um, yeah, how you got, just how you got involved with Catapult in the first place. Yeah, well, it was, I was leaving DC. This There's a theme to this because I keep moving for my husband's job, which you'll see, mm -hmm. but we left DC and went back to New York. So I left GW, which was really sad. And I knew the woman who had been running the program there, Julie Button. And so I emailed her just to say, if you ever are looking for teachers, I'd be thrilled. And they have this class, this 12-week novel generator. And so she said, would you want to do this? And this was, so the first one I taught was three years ago. It was 2019. And the fun thing is two of my students from that first class have books that are published that are out. Um, and then so cool. it's so cool. And it's so fun because it's sort of like in each stage, I have a few students who have signed with agents. I have a bunch that are querying. It's sort of like I get to see this whole process. And I was so happy to teach that class. I, I really did love my grad school experience, but I will say one thing that we didn't do there really was talk about putting a book together. <laughs> and mm, it's really yeah. hard. And so I think until you do it, you know, we talked about, we, you know, workshop short stories and we talked about, but we didn't really rip things apart and talk about the actual construction of a book. So hmm. that was hard for me. The first book I tried to write, I didn't mention that but because it never got finished because I, I was mm -hmm. like sabotaging myself in the writing process, which I didn't realize. So I like teaching this class so much because I wish I could have taken it. And it's mm. so great because they get to workshop their entire novel. And so we get to look at it and really talk about wow. the beginning, the middle, the end, how the pacing is, you know, it's, it's so helpful and it's a really intense class, but it's just such, such a great one. That's so cool. Yeah. That's very cool. We'll, we'll talk about that later in the show okay. um, and provide some links and, and more information about that. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. 
The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. But yeah, let's talk about the latest and marrying the ketchups is uh, not only a fantastic title <laughs> and uh, of course, um, a very somewhat nostalgic uh, cover, but um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the genesis of marrying the ketchups. And uh, yeah, I'll just mention that in this book's book list uh, starred review mentions that uh, close drops readers smack into Oak Park, a leafy Chicago suburb, lets them hear the hiss of fryers hitting hot oil and catch an ice cold old style sliding across the bar. Close lets each character's unique personality shine. Setting nostalgia against progress, tradition against rebirth, close outlines the cousins' grief and personal growth as they work with and against one another. So talk a little bit about this uh, kind of this love letter to this family-owned establishment. Yeah, well, first, I'm so happy you like the title. It was it was for so long. It was the title of the first section of the book. Uh-huh. My editor from the very beginning kept saying, can we call it that? And I just kept saying, absolutely not. That is not <laughs> the title of the book. And then at one point after we had, because we I worked on this book for so long, at one point I was like, yeah, sure, let's call it that. And she, I think she kept thinking I was going to change my mind. But once <laughs> we did start calling it that, it was like, yeah, that should be the title. That's um, so cool. I had wanted to write a restaurant book for a really long time. I worked as a waitress in college and a couple of years after I had a couple of friends in DC who ran restaurants. I just think it's like, it is prime for drama, right? Like there's mm-hmm. so much fun stuff that happens. I love writing about food. I love reading about food. So I knew I wanted to do it. And I I started this book, I mean, well before my last book, The Hopefuls, came out. Mm-hmm. The funny thing was, so that was, I'm going to say I started this in 2013, 2014, but it was just oh, wow. notes in a notebook. It was just like, I was finishing my other book. You know, I wasn't, I sort of had it in the back of my head, but I wasn't really spending time on it. And then- when the hopefuls came out, it was time to sort of switch to the new project, which is how I've been working and hopefully how that keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing was there was all this stuff that was happening, which in my world, you know, um, the Cubs won the World Series. I'm a 
lifelong huge Cubs fan. My first dog was named Wrigley. And so that was a big thing. And then just the next week, um, Trump won the election. And it was like the biggest whiplash in my life that, you know, it just, and it sort of felt like I couldn't think about one event without the other. It was like, oh, we got to be happy for a few days. And then this happened. And um, there was so much going on. So that started to creep its way into the book and really changed so much of what I was writing about because- Hmm. Now that's really in there. This is the Sullivan family that I'm writing about. They're all Cubs fans. Um, you know, and I added in that their patriarch of the family dies right before the Cubs win the World Series, which, you know, I always thought about all of those Cubs fans that waited so long and just how heartbreaking that would have been. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of stories like that about people who had been waiting and and didn't make it. So that yeah. was sort of in my head. And and that really that disrupted the book I was writing in a good way, but it just, it just sort of, yeah, I just, I kind of redid it all. And and that was really the, the main things that I was focusing on at the beginning. The thrust and the kind of the engine of the book. But of course you talk about some kind of universal truths about the restaurant industry and industry that's especially um, in the last couple of years gone through some intensely tumultuous times. I know. It was really hard for me because without giving anything away, I leave them. <laughs> I leave them. And I finished the book during the pandemic. And it was, I just felt so sad leaving these characters thinking, I don't know if you are all going to make it through the next, you know, I know what's coming. It felt yeah. really, I felt really sad for them. Cause it was like, yeah, this might be, that might be the end. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a strange place to be writing it from because I leave well before that starts, but I knew what was coming for them. So interesting. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that and if that um, would beg a sequel because it seems ripe for that, of course. Um, but, you know, obviously uh, that's not up to me to decide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not right now. I think it's, it's so funny when I finish a book, it's, you've been with them for so long and there is this sense of, I'm, I'm happy to take a break. You know, I'm happy to step away. So I have never thought much about doing this. That's never really been something I've been itching to do yet. We'll see. Cause maybe Mm -hmm. it would happen, but, um, yeah, it would be a hard sequel to write. (laughs) It would be hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, here are three, the three things the Sullivan family knows to be true in marrying the ketchups. Um, the Chicago Cubs will always be the underdogs historical progress is inevitable and their grandfather bud as you mentioned the patriarch of the family founder of jp sullivan's will may always make the best burgers on oak park and of course you kind of open with that tragic scene but uh that's not a secret we won't give any anything else (laughs) about the book away but yeah some great blurbs here i understand you're going to be speaking with your colleague and friend grant ginder author of the people we hate at the wedding um had some some very kind words mentioning that marrying the ketchups is jennifer close at her best a smart funny big-hearted novel that proves the remarkable power of family and french fries to heal us during truly bewildering times and i fully concur with the french fry piece (laughs) and grant has a book coming out next week which is amazing it's called let's not do that again and it's so funny so yeah let's not do that again very cool we'll put that in the show as well yeah, you you all are going to be speaking on on your uh, tour there. I will link to your um, 
let's see, both your Twitter and your Instagram, it looks like um, you use those regularly. Is there anywhere else you connect with uh, listeners out there? No, those are both. That is great. Those have been Perfect. my main two things lately. So, yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, before we um, dip into your talking about your um, course, let's talk about your writing process and just okay. kind of how you are uh, approaching this thing that you teach now. But um, yeah, you must have a, a pretty a pretty solid um, process for getting words onto the page. What do you feel like is kind of when you're in the midst of, you know, you're obviously facing some deadlines, you've obviously established some, some pretty solid um, routines for yourself. How do you feel like your most prolific days are going for you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I said this to you earlier, I love talking about writing process. And it's been really funny, because I think actually teaching has sort of forced me to really examine my process in a way that maybe I wasn't before. I think it's made me better because the more you talk about it, the more you sort of have to come to terms with what you do and what works. So mm-hmm. my, you know, oh, I could talk forever. I mean, I will, yeah, cut me off if I go on too long because I love no. it. But <laughs> I, you know, my main thing is the first thing I always talk about, I talk about this in one of my classes called Getting Started, which is really just about getting started. But scheduling writing time is really important. And each week I will look ahead and block out time for writing. And this is important because it's like, it's, it's hard to sit down. And I think people who don't write maybe don't understand that part of it, which is there's like a little bit of fear there. There's always the question of like, am I wasting my time? There's a million other things you could be doing. So it can be really hard to actually just sit down. And I think scheduling it for me, I have found that's, that takes away sort of some of the question of like, when am I going to do it? It's like, Mm -hmm. well, you're doing it in these three hours and that's that. Um, and it's interesting too, because I've found that I don't always write for the same amount of time. It depends where I am in a project. So if I'm really at the end of it, I'm working full days, but if I'm just getting into something, you know, the, the new thing that I'm writing now, which I don't even know if I can actually call it a book yet, cause it's just a bunch of words and pages, but, um, <laughs> I just decided to sort of up myself to three hours a day of writing, which doesn't even sound like that much, but I, you know, I'm still getting to know these characters in the book. So really one to two hours was, was sort of a sweet spot for me. So that's my big thing is just scheduling it, sticking to it. You know, it feels really good to stick to it. And I think also knowing like it feels really bad when you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I also love, love this tip, which is that I start all my projects in a notebook. And there's a few reasons for this. I'm, I'm not an outliner. I wish I was, I'm trying to be a a little bit better at it, but for me, the beginning stages, there's so much I don't know, which is also the fun part. And if I open a word document and start writing things, mostly what stares back at me is just the empty word document. So (laughs) I like to just start writing down ideas and thoughts and questions in a notebook. It's friendlier. It feels really creative and fun. And then by the time I'm writing a little bit more and I'm like anxious because you you can't write that fast by hand, by the time I move to the computer, I'm so excited to do it. And I have all these notes to take with me. So that's like, that's such a big tip that I give to everyone. And that notebook, the rule is I tell all my students, like nothing else goes in there besides this project you're working on. No to-do list, mm-hmm. no grocery list, nothing. It's just, this is for your book. So I keep a notebook throughout the, I probably go through three or four um, through a whole book because then 
toward the end, I will start outlining and organizing and editing in a different way. But that's one of my favorite parts of the process is just sort of the exploring part. So those are two of my really big things. What else? I write for time, not for word count, which is, you know, I I know some people do word count. For me, if I do, if I aim for a certain amount of words, I just am obsessed with it. And then I'm just writing to get (laughs) to get to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think it's so good to remember, like writing doesn't always look like writing. You can't, you can't measure the quality of a day by how many words you got on the page, because sometimes you're brainstorming or figuring out a plot point or just sort of playing around to get to know the characters. And, and like my most successful writing days might be days that it's not that many words that I got down on the page. So I like writing for time. And I think I, I always say in my classes, like, just pay attention to what works for you. Cause I love, love listening to other writers talk about what they do, but no one's process looks the same, right? Like I'm a really messy writer in the beginning, probably to the point where other people would be like, I don't even know how you make a book out of those early pages. But for me, that's just what works. And I think other, you know, one of my best writing friends, Catherine Heine, she always says, I I'm slow, but I get it right the first time, which is so interesting to me because I think she edits so much in her head before she gets it on the page. And I'm almost the complete opposite. So it's really fun to sort of learn the different ways people work and what works best for them. But yeah, I just, I think like paying attention to what works for you and really holding yourself accountable are, are the important things as you figure out your own process. Yeah. Yeah. I think holding yourself accountable is also a big one. Do you have, how do you hold yourself accountable? Uh, do you have any tricks on that? Yeah. I mean, oh God, during the pandemic, and it's so funny because I, you know, I always worked from home, so it wasn't even that different for me, but I could not concentrate. I started um, timing myself. (laughs) I started Hmm. doing the Pomodoro method because I really had trouble concentrating. And this, I sort of recommend for anyone who's having trouble. Like people sometimes say like, well, I only have 30 minutes to write, so it's not worth it. But 30 minutes when you set a timer and just sit there is a long time. So (laughs) I was, yeah, I was setting a timer and really just like not letting myself look at my phone. You know, that's the other thing you have to sort of stay off of everything else when you're in your writing time. Um, another thing I started doing is I've actually started journaling about my writing because I'm trying to figure out, you know, people say like, how long did this book take you? And it's like, Oh my God, I have no idea because do I count from the moment I had the first idea or, the moment I started typing or the moment, you know, there's so many different parts of it for me. So in some ways I'm just trying to keep track of it, but I also am reminding myself of all the things I say to my students all the time, which is like the first draft is going to be awful. Get it down and move forward. (laughs) Don't edit too much. Keep moving forward. Just get it down. You can fix it in revision. You know, um, don't worry about it. That that's really a big thing. Don't worry about it. You can fix it in revision. So it's been helping me to, sort of keep track of my days and just say, you know, today felt really hard because I was trying to do this, but this is always hard for me. So I should remember that, you know, it's, and I've actually really liked doing that. I would recommend it. And I'm keeping track of, um, the hours I work too. So I'm a big fan of lists and (laughs) and writing things down. So that's a way to keep yourself accountable. And I think it's also just, you know, you have to be kind of nice to yourself too. If you have a week where you just like, don't, 
meet your deadlines and you don't do anything, mm-hmm. just you have to sort of like forget about it and start over because that happens. You know, that's part of it. It's it's worse though the longer you go. The longer I go not writing, the harder it is to sit down again. And I know that now, Hmm. you know, and I, and it's just about like starting small, building it up again, building that stamina to sit there. But I always feel worse when I don't write. And I think just knowing that and reminding myself of that helps me get to the chair (laughs) every day. I guess that's that entropy piece. Yeah. The longer you go, the harder it is uh, to get back in the saddle. But uh, yeah, I thought, well, I just had poked around on your Instagram and I found um, writing tips for spouses, partners, and roommates of writers, (laughs) which I thought was was hilarious. Yeah, procrastinating yesterday, but it did make me laugh. (laughs) Listeners, uh, pop over. I'll put the link um, to uh, Instagram there. You can find that. It's a pretty funny little video uh, featuring none other than um, Jack (laughs) Nicholson playing the famous caretaker of the in The Shining. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, I think was what he kept typing over and over. (laughs) But uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about this um, course that you're teaching upcoming on Catapult, because it sounds really valuable. Um, The title, as you mentioned earlier, the 12-week novel draft generator. So um, this is an opportunity for uh, this masterclass that you're teaching to... uh, kind of take a look at every stage of this novel writing process, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. from, from beginning to end. Yeah, from the first couple of chapters to a full draft. That That's pretty amazing. So you're, you are actually uh, helping to guide a very small, um, and uh, it's, it looks like an exclusive group of writers through this process. Yeah, there's only six in each class, which is great because it's so small. And actually the really fun, th- I mean, there's so many fun things about this class. Like I said, all my students that are now in the different stages of, you know, querying their book or signing with agents and publishing, but so many of the classes keep meeting, which is wonderful. They'll like catch me up and say like, we're still exchanging work because you get to know each other's books so well. And it's such a small group. So yeah, it's great. I mean, it's, you know, generator is, I don't know if that's the best word for the, for the, for the title. I didn't title it, but you know, it's, it's a lot of workshop, but it is, I will say, I just finished a round of it last week and I had a student who came in with about 20,000 words and she left with a 70,000 word manuscript. And it was, um, wow. you know, there's still plenty of work to be done on it, but it's, but she did it. She like really <laughs> made it happen. Um, and people have different things that they do. Some people come in with the whole draft done. Some people are about three quarters of the way through. Some people have just started. So it, it kind of varies, but yeah, we talk about, you know, first chapters and how you're starting the book. And, um, we talk about dialogue and the midpoint and just, again, it's, I I can't explain how helpful it is to have a group of readers reading the whole thing. It's just, it it Mm. is so great. And I also, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about this. Like, I don't, I never did or liked sharing my work with my regular friends or, you know, like I, Mm -hmm. I think for me, that was so much of why grad school was important was because you found Mm -hmm. writer friends that you, you were friends with them, but it was also that you shared this thing together. And it's, I think that's, what's so great about, about these workshops is it brings all these people together and it's, there is, um, it's intimate, but it's also really professional, you know, like you are there to help each other with your books and that's, that's what you're doing. So 
it's great, especially if you live somewhere where you might not have access to classes like this. Like it's it's so nice that it's online, actually. And I'll link to that Catapult page and also just mention that the homepage there for Catapult is catapult.co. And they have so many good classes. If anyone's, I mean, there's so many that I want to sign up for. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> so look through them. There's like such good writers. They're doing, you know, there's just classes on structure or classes, you know, like it, it's amazing. And there, um, also for anyone going through this process, I think it's super, super helpful. They have um, classes about writing query letters, which God, I wish I could have yeah. taken that one because it's such a weird thing that you, you know, you don't know what to do before you start it. So it's, I think those are really, really helpful. Well, before we wrap here with kind of uh, your closing remarks to your fellow scribes, are you a couple fun ones? If you could have dinner with any writer from any era to your favorite restaurant in the world, who would you take and where would you take them? Oh my God, this is such a good question. <laughs> I feel so panicked. Um, <laughs> take your time. Oh my God. Um Oh, did you just hear my dog jumping in to give his opinion? No. Yeah. Hello. Just gave a little bark. Um wait, what's what what's this dog's name? Otto. Otto. Yeah. He he um I knew I always wanted a dog named Wrigley, and then it was like, I don't know what to name this new guy. <laughs> so <laughs> Otto, he is and he's a very much he looks like an Otto. Okay, so I don't know if this is the right I mean, I, there's no wrong answer here. I will always say maybe Judy Bloom or yeah. possibly JD Salinger. J.D. Salinger, I will say, I know people have very strong opinions on him, but mm. I will always, he made such an impact in my life. Like the, it was when I read Catcher in the Rye that I thought like, oh, this is the kind of thing I want to write. I loved the sort of conversational tone. I loved what it was about. You know, like I think mm -hmm. that to me made such a huge impact on my life, but I wonder, I don't know what kind of dinner partner he would be. <laughs> and Judy Bloom, I just, you know, I was such a fan of hers. Oh my God. I, I don't know. Oh my God. This is what so if you, hard. what if you brought them both? I, I, do be, you think that would be the, a weird dinner party or a great dinner party? Bending the space time <laughs> continuum. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. It might be weird. It might be weird, but like in a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny. All right. Where would you take them? Oh, that's also a great question. Um, there is this place called Melino in D in New York. I almost just said DC. Oh my God. That I love. It's, I, I, it's an Italian place. It's a Danny Meyer restaurant and it just, mm. I've never been there when I don't feel happy there. His, I love his restaurants, but this, like this one, especially it's just like warm. I like the ambiance. The pasta is amazing. Um, the wine is great. So it always makes me happy. What if we actually, what if you took them there and you actually like bro literally broke the space time continuum because they just, they <laughs> fell in love or something. I know. Oh, I feel like as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to think of a much better answer, but I, I am so <laughs> flustered. Well, I was thinking of Judy Bloom because I, and I do love her. And I, I think some of those things you read when you're growing up are so influential. And she wrote a <laughs> lot about female friendships. And I, anyway, I was at, um, six and I for another book event, but I was thinking about her because I saw her there and I wrote her a note and gave her a copy of my first book. And the note was just like, you are <laughs> such a big influence on me. And she was so lovely. And she emailed me. She read, she, oh, I know she was so sweet. nice. Um, so maybe she's just on my, I mean, I think she's a genius. She's lovely. So that's so cool. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, coffee or tea? Oh God. Coffee. Okay. 1000. I mean, so much coffee. Uh, sometimes I'll have tea <laughs> at night if it's like only because 
you know, you're not supposed to drink coffee at night, I guess. But yeah, coffee. I have friends that can drink coffee like later in the evening. And I'm like, what? how? Like, how can you have a shot of espresso at 8 p.m. and not stay up all night? Go to sleep. Oh, God. And they sleep fine. It's crazy. I I just wanted to make sure you were on our team. Yeah, 1,000. Team coffee. I know. I don't understand how people who don't drink coffee get up in the morning. I mean, does that sound sad? It's like the thing that I look forward to. So, yeah. Yeah. Clearly, I love it too much. But yes, I'm on your team. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, of course I will link to the latest, uh, it is available, um, for pre-order and, uh, comes out, uh, later in April. Congrats on that. And all of the, uh, all of the blur- great blurbs. I've got like a wall of blurbs here, but I was going to pick out one more. Um, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just mention this Kirkus review, which, which was nice. Uh, an amusing, engaging novel about life, death and restorative power of a grilled cheese sandwich. Uh, well-drawn characters always keep you interested in what happens next. Close navigates their entanglements and dissolutions with wry humor. She understands the difficulties and distractions of modern romance. I too have worked in restaurants for much of my adult life. Um, and I thought that, uh, of course, chapter nine, um, no spoilers here, but, uh, as anyone who's ever like waited tables in a restaurant has probably had like these waiting tables, like anxiety nightmares mm-hmm. or, you know dreams about waiting tables um it is i think a universal thing don't you i think so i still have them sometimes i mean that makes me happy to hear that yeah. you had them that that chapter about the you know the the restaurant nightmares it's no. clearly i have them you know you always you can also have the ones about school where you forget to go to a class or all of that but yeah the ones where you are trying to wait tables and things are going wrong are very stressful. And it's so fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you worked in restaurants, when we talked about the title, this makes me laugh too. I will say this. Yeah. People who've worked in restaurants, like just kind of smile at it. And people yeah. that haven't are like, wait, what's it called? And then you have to explain what marrying the ketchups is, which is gross. It's a gross. <laughs> and I'm it's always really like, oh, never mind. Thing. you don't really want to know what it is. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, no, that makes me happy that that chapter resonated with you because I think it's universal. I mean, I think that that's the, you know, I think people still have those nightmares. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, every every server I've ever talked to has said that this is something that happens to them. You know, they have a dream about the entire restaurant filling up, something breaks, they can't, no one's speaking their language. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's the same every time for everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, again, the title is great marrying the ketchups is actually what what caught my attention because i was like wait a second i know what that is i know, I know exactly okay. what that I'll is tell my editor what could this book be about was right she was right <laughs> it, was the, it was the right title for it yeah <laughs> that's so cool um well of course i will link to that i will link to your twitter your instagram um but yeah before we wrap here just um i don't know you've given you've given so much sage advice um about the writing life and this this uh this process uh of yours but let, let, let's just uh wrap with your kind of pearl of wisdom for writers on just how to persevere how to keep going through good times and or challenging times yeah you know i think the important thing to know is like everyone has those challenging times like i think that that for me is something that was super helpful i don't know if you ever read bird by bird by Anne lamont but that also kind of mm-hmm. changed my life in a great way because she talks about all those things where it's hard and the first draft isn't great and it's scary to sit down. And I think people can sometimes have those feelings and think like, Oh, maybe I'm just not supposed to write. And 
I really Mm. love sharing the fact that like, no, no, everyone feels like that. Everyone sometimes feels like they just wrote garbage all day. Everyone feels like, you know, they don't know what they're doing. And then there's really good days. So it's like, just stick with it and remember the good days. And then just know that everyone has those anxieties and fears because it's, it's not, you know, it's not bad that you have them. It's just about learning to like, keep, keep writing through them and, and know that that's normal. That's, that's my good advice. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's why there's a proliferation of books about the process and bird by bird by Amama. Um, of course, is a classic. Um, there's so many, like Stephen King's on writing, oh, or such a good one, yeah, that one, and many others. And of course, probably why this podcast exists yep. to this day. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, listeners, for having those anxieties and joining us here in our intimate, yeah, um, little clubhouse. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much, Jennifer. Um, we appreciate your time, your wisdom. Uh, to come back and update us in the future about projects and uh, any IP in uh, talks for any adaptations for small or big screen? Not yet, but keep your fingers crossed. We will okay. see. I, right. I mean, I'm biased, but I think it would work quite well. So yeah, thank you. So, mm-hmm. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Again, um, best of luck with the latest thank and uh, we will talk with you in the future. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. Okay. Yeah, and no, I'm right there with you. I do not understand people who eschew. So great. I know. The beautiful, the beautiful <laughs> dark center of a cup of coffee. I know. I'll probably cut that out. But anyway. <laughs> 